Bam. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where we have the discussions that inform, entertain, and challenge educators to be the change. Each week, I zoom in someone who's making it happen in social education and entrepreneurship, and we chat about ideas and strategies on how you can live your best life and level up, people. I am your host, Dr. Will, and today I am here with Shelly Sanchez Terrell. How are you doing, Shelly? I'm doing great, and it's so great to be on the show with you. I love how passionate and enthusiastic you are. Well, thank you. You know, you... You know, you raise my credits up, you know, when you come on the show because you're next level. I'm still still at the bottom trying to get up. Um, and we've known each other for a long time. And, and you know, since I have made my transition in terms of my, I want my podcast to focus on entrepreneurship and teachers leveling up and people monetizing what they do. You know, I tell teachers, man, you know, stop giving away your stuff for free, you know, um, <laughs> Cause there's so many, you know, there's so many websites that we know of that'll reach out to you. And at first it's kind of, it's flattering. You know, when, when some of these big name people say, Hey, will you write? It's kind of flattering, but then you go. So I'm providing you content and I'm not getting a check. Okay. So I don't do that anymore. So <laughs> if I write somebody, give me a check. Wow. Uh, even, I mean, even to go beyond that, it's not only that, but even still nowadays, I have to, there are certain conferences that even international ones that will ask me to go on my own dime to provide workshops. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it's, it's really great. I'm, I'm more than, you know, willing to Skype in maybe, but really flying to another co uh, country and, and not getting um, paid for it. So I think you're definitely right. Teachers need to stop uh, giving this, you know, time for free. <laughs> but sure, I'm not flying to another state for free. <laughs> you know, like if, if I'm serious, if someone called me from, TCEA and they said we want you to come present and I'm like what's the fee what's my rate yeah. and then they say well no we're just mm -mm. you can you can put me on your website as a keynote speaker I want keynote money <laughs> and I want airfare in a hotel and if I don't get that then you know you choose somebody else uh, you know what I'm saying I'm just not your dude uh, so I wanted to have you on because you are doing it big time. You've been doing it big time. And I wanted you to share your knowledge, some lessons you've learned to educate those educators who will be watching on YouTube or listening on SoundCloud and iTunes in the future. So for those who are watching, will you please introduce yourself? Well, I'm Shelly Sanchez Terrell, mostly known as Shell Terrell, most of my social networks. And I think definitely that's a tip that I often provide for um, those wanting to be entrepreneurs, that whatever your branding or your name is, to keep it consistent across net social networks and platforms that you decide to connect because it just makes it easier for people to um, understand and identify you um, and to be able to remember you as well. And so that I've, and well, um, I've been around the world over 20 different countries, teaching and training teachers, presenting, keynoting. I work for the US Embassy as and Georgetown University as an ESL specialist. So that's how I get to do a lot of this. Um, but at the same time, I've also written um, four books. Uh, and I know we're going to talk a little about self-published versus um, published by big companies as well. And Recently, my greatest joy is being the mother of uh, now six, going on 16 months, uh, baby girl, and also Roscoe the Pug, who's going on like 13, so. <laughs> wow, wow. So he, here's the thing. You have, you know, you started out as an educator, and you made that evolution to where you are now. So what? inspired you to actually become an entrepreneur it kind of happened accidentally and well not accidentally it was very purposefully um but definitely it didn't start off as me 
thinking, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, which there's no, nothing wrong with that. And so really, and I think for some of us that end up finding ourselves in this position, it could be you started off with training for this position. So when I was uh, back in 1992, I began getting uh, professionally trained to be a speaker. I was... Um, the president of this uh, new magnet school that was one of the, it was the second magnet school in San Antonio. And it was uh, geared with, um, it was called business careers. Uh, we had another one for health careers for doctors. And at the time, what that meant was um, being the first class president of that uh, magnet school meant that I got trained by the fortune 500 company owners here every week I was in a meeting I had to learn etiquette lessons I had Toastmasters training I had mentors that were billionaires and millionaires making $40,000 for one speaking engagement so I was trained with this in mind and then I went to college and I got plenty of scholarships, but um, what happened was after being in business for a while, I really felt I didn't want to go that path. Um, I didn't like the conferences I was going to. It was very much shaking hands and in 30 seconds, let me know why I should spend the next 30 minutes. And that's the way it was. It was very cold. So from there, I ended up getting into um, actually English language teaching uh, somebody hired me after my literature when I changed to that I changed completely different you know literature language arts and uh, communication and I enjoyed public speaking but at the same time um, I wanted to do other things and then they hired me as an English language teacher and that provided me the opportunities to go teach around the world English language learners and live in other countries and then all of a sudden, I started connecting with teachers online, and that passion came back. The fact that I had presentation training, um, I was able to give good presentations. And I realized when I started doing webinars and training teachers on for free, um, then companies came and said, hey, I want to hire you to do our online training. And some of the companies I still work for, so that's really exciting. Awesome. Awesome. So please share with the audience some of the work that you do and who is your target audience? Well, my target audience. So I happen to have two types of target audiences. Uh, the main one is basically in anyone who wants to integrate technology um, to help inspire their students or, and that can be for anything. It could be for, you know, science, math. Um, it could be for English language arts. It could be for uh, teaching a language. And the reason why I have such a broad audience is because when you're an English language teacher um, and you end up teaching in different places, especially when you come back to the United States, then you have to teach eight. I mean, when I was teaching at a high school and even at uh, universities here, you have to teach all these subjects. I had to teach U.S. history um, for ESL. I had to teach math ESL. I had to teach. So having a world religions ESL. And so when you have to do all of that, then you kind of uh, learn. And if you use technology and you're a teacher who's excited about technology, then you discover ways to integrate it with all of those different um subjects so that's my main audience anyone and also that blended learning because i do a lot of um online training and teaching i've created tons of massive open online courses online um i've helped a lot of colleges in different countries who didn't have um online college system set up some of the first online colleges um in those countries so that would be my main audience but i do have a huge uh number of followers who end up being english language teachers as well awesome awesome so you enter into this this game uh i love it though it's so uh it can be so lucrative. Uh, and I'm not even at that super dollar level, but I, I just know that when I can go spend eight hours of my day and I just made $3,000, 
for eight hours. I'm like, that's all good. Um, <laughs> how do you, I mean, how did you come to decide which products or services that you offer? That's a really good, important question, especially for entrepreneurs, because I think you first start off and it's okay to start off doing a few things for free. I think that's good in a way because you got to get your feet wet and understand the process of it. So for example, when I first started, there's a lot of uh, different publications I did, you know, write for free and that they had a certain number of requirements first. Um, and I had to learn this a little bit of a hard way because I did make one error. And I think that that you learn from those mistakes or from making those situations where you feel at the end of the day, you know, did, did I feel really good about that? You know, and I think that that's the main, um, the main question I ask myself every day that the product or what I decided to do, um, what I put my name on, is it something I'll stand behind? Is it something that I believe that, you know, um, since, you know, I am, you know, sharing it with other teachers and educators, uh, is it something that I, I too would use in the classroom or um, to make my life much easier as an educator. And so if I can't say that or I don't feel comfortable or 100% about it, then I don't want to um, do that. And so I had to learn that. There was one company and they sent me, I remember, a bunch of different um, – and it wasn't that their product was bad, but they did have me, they didn't even pay me, but they sent me a bunch of these expensive um, types of things you could make a podcast with, you could do recording, um, which was good for, for ESL. And I ended up writing um, an article with them. And then I started, you know, realizing there were other tools that were free online that did probably a better job than this $200 device. And so from there, I learned a really important lesson because after that, I had already put my name on there and then they could, they shared that article wherever, you know, and um, there was nothing that I could really do about that at that time. Good thing it was, you know, when I was first starting. So a lot of people haven't seen that and probably won't anymore. Actually, it doesn't exist anymore, the product, mm -hmm. but that's one um, important factor when you're a entrepreneur is that um, you, you've got to decide when those companies are approaching you um, what it is if, if you know you first of all look at it um, and then just really think and I know some entrepreneurs don't do that they have blogs where every single you know blog is a product they're, they're selling and so they'll just end up getting and they just don't really care about that but for me I think that that's uh, really important uh, for me because then it makes me feel good about being an entrepreneur or and I don't necessarily think you know entrepreneur um, but also just having my voice shared wide because that's mm. what ends up being the case if you are an entrepreneur you me thousands millions even hear our message and that impacts a lot of people. So I like to take responsibility for that. And I, I hold that very dear. Mm. So what would you say is your uh, niche? And how does someone discover that? You know, because if you, if you are a teacher and, and, you know, okay, if you're teaching this one subject area, it's okay, well, I know language arts. Now, are you going to focus on writing? Are you going to focus on comprehension? And with that, will it be using technology or will it be lesson planning? Will it be developing curriculum? How does someone look at what they're doing already, the skill set they have, and niche down to where they can brand themselves as this is what I do? I think that that's an important question too, and that takes experience. I think you'll you'll you too know that is that you know there might be something you really feel passionate about when you start like for example with you you're so great at podcasting but that's changed you know your podcast has changed so much but that's something you've stuck with and you you know grown and had all this amazing um you know passion and everything and been able to make that really powerful and i think for some it might be something like that it might be the medium so it might be that if you're like me and you don't like to narrow things down because you get so many ideas and that's that's always been my um 
you know, really great thing about me. So I get so excited and passionate, but it's also the other part that uh, you kind of have to look at because some people will tell you when I first started out and I only had, I know a lot of people look at followers when they think about edupreneur or something, but that is part of that. It's, you know, how many people are seeing your voice. And so when I first started off and I only had like, 2000 back then that was a big deal for a lot uh, I think this was in 2009 and so people would tell me all the time they would meet with me teachers and say hey you have 2,000 followers and then they would um, you know admonish me and try to give me all this advice about hey you're getting well known you need to stick to one uh, topic or training because you're stepping on others toes but I was very excited. And so for me, one way that I was able is that my niche or, you know, what I was focusing on was I'm really great at webinars. I still think to this day, I give so much better webinar than me. I'm not that I don't give an inspiring, wonderful keynote. I do. But there are some people who, you know, like Angela Myers, she'll just rock the house with that and get you in tears, everything. But with me, you know, I'm, a good keynote I just think that I'm way better at presenting giving webinars or designing an online course and so I'm really good at those things and that's what I love to do and I focus on that a lot and so I think you can if you have a lot of ideas you can definitely then you want to focus on a medium figure out what you're really good whether it's podcasting whether it's you know teaching online whether it's designing online courses or maybe you want to be a teacher trainer, you want to be someone who's just a writer, a teacher's paid teacher's curriculum. I mean, then you find your, your you know, what you do there. Or the other way around. Find something you're really good at that, you know, you're passionate about coding, or maybe it's, you know, in general STEM. And then you can just put that through a bunch of mediums. But I think that that's where you can kind of balance it, decide them you know, the, the choice of platform or focus on, you know, the topic. And then I think that's good for teachers. And I've enjoyed the, the, the face to face and I'm not bad at it, you know, and, and I've had some moments where I go, wow, this was awesome, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I really enjoyed the online space and I've done webinars for Schoology and, and I just finished an online certification course. Uh, so I can get my cool certification. And of course, I'm doing this podcast and I want to do the digital space because it, it allows me to do it from anywhere. Um, it allows me to make money, you know, especially if stuff is pre-recorded while I sleep. I mean, who <laughs> doesn't want to make money, you know, that way. Um, and it gives me to me the flexibility of not using my personal days from work to actually go work uh, because I am working in this digital space. Uh, you know, so once I got to a point where I said, okay, all right, Will, where do you want to focus? Where can you think you can sort of own this thing and put your stamp on it? Uh, because like you, you know, I've been in, in rooms with people and I go, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, look, I'm good, but I'm not that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, okay, where, where, where can I shine, you know, uh, using Lavana's uh, language, where can I shine best? And when I looked at this online space, I said, well, this is, I'm going all in uh, on that. And I think you can, and that's the other thing to see too, whether the characteristics, not only if you have the passion, which is definitely a must for that forum, uh, but definitely if you have, if you're gonna be an online presence, you're gonna do something like a podcast or um, if you're gonna do webinar, you have to be enthusiastic. You have to really be confident. You have to be a risk taker and you have to have personality. And I think you have the past. It's not like anyone can just get up and do this. You're actually really good with the personality. And I think that's another important part. So some people may not be so great at, you know, um, I know people who get booked all the time for keynotes, uh, some of the top in our industry, and they are not the most dynamic <laughs> people, but their content and um, the ideas they put forth are really rich. But they're also people, and you'll notice that they write a lot of books, so they get asked to speak. 
but, and they're great at books. Like you read their books, they're inspiring and amazing. Um, but they're also, you'll see that they don't have their own podcast like you because they realize that they realize they're not that personality. So I think that that's part of it as well. Your passion, but also being able to identify, you know, is that passion, Am I more, you know, am I going to be like Dr. Will and dynamic and that's going to be the best place to shine? Or am I more of a person who um, is really good with books? And, and, and I can tell you that's important because like me, and I've gone through this a couple of times where I do it all. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you do that to get to figure it out. And I think that's important. But after a while, you realize at some point, you know, um, it wears you thin and then you're not as good. And you know, if you are doing a podcast or and that's your passion and goal, then that's not going to end up taking off anywhere. If you're too busy, like doing everything else. And so even now as an entrepreneur, even though you think I'm big, uh, I still making those choices. And I, I've learned that, you know, I've learned from speakers like Simon Sinek and mm. some other leadership speakers who speak to like businessmen and things like that, um, you know, about focusing and, and really figuring out not to wear yourself too thin by wearing too many hats. Cool. Cool. And thank you for uh, the compliments. Um, you just raised my rates. Thank you <laughs> very much. Uh, so I want to throw this out there to you because when you first get into this game, particularly if you're going all in full time, you're, you're just trying to get a check. So you'll pretty much <laughs> take any conference, any magazine offer, anything. Cause you know, look, I got to pay the bills. I got to eat, you know, that sort of thing. But once you have found your rhythm and you have a name for yourself and people are coming to you, it doesn't make sense to take every offer. So how do you decide which offers to say no to? There's a couple of ways. So when I was first starting out, first, I think it's really important. I do this with my students today. Um, and I teach at a college, you know, very part-time, not full-time. And I tell them I'm only doing this part-time because this is not, I just, you know, this is not my main gig, but <laughs> it's good to be there. But I think having, I have them create vision boards now. And mm -hmm. I, I, a lot of very uh, successful people, highly motivated people really believe in the concept of vision board. I think even Beyonce has vision boards. So <laughs> it's really important to be able to, understand what your goals are, your visions, to hone them, um, and to be very specific about them, no matter what kind of goal system or vision you have. And that really helps you determine. So, and every time there's a life change, to go, make sure to go revisit those. So when I had my daughter, even more now, because I have a lot less time. So you're not, you're seeing, the, when I was pregnant with my daughter, even up to eight months, I was in Canada five times that year. Wow. I was about to pop and I was giving a keynote to like, I think 3,000 or more people televised. It was a huge keynote and I didn't. It was fantastic. Probably the best one I gave. Um, but after that, you, I, and I've got invited to Africa this year. I've gotten invited to Brazil. I've gotten invited to Turkey. I've gotten invited to a lot of international conferences. And I am, I've had to say no. And uh, what decides it for me, at the beginning, a lot of people would say, why would you, you not use that opportunity? But that's because those are, if they want to be a keynote international speaker, yes, you're going to say yes to opportunities where you haven't been before. Or opens a new market to you that makes mm. sense but if you've already been there and then your priorities and your situations change then your goals change and then that determines it so this you know i've already been to over you know 25 countries so for me it's not so much are you an international speaker i'm already that but for someone starting out yes we get the opportunity and maybe they're only going to pay you a hundred dollars or something and they're going to pay your airfare and your hotel but that's going to open you up to all these opportunities in the UK, or you can even better with, I've seen some other um, edu entrepreneurs or educators do is 
they know, okay, I'm going to the UK, I'm going to be presenting, I'm going to contact this person, this person, this person, see if I can get a workshop there. And then they open that whole entire market even more. So I think that that's the route that you decide. If you decide to take less money, but it's not you putting, you know, out of your pocket, they're covering expenses and everything, and then you're able to find a way to make money and it opens a new market for you in the future, then yes. So for example, when I started off and um, I used to do a conference in France, in Paris, France, and I didn't get paid the first time I did it, but they covered my fees, they covered, you know, room board, that kind of thing. And then after that, I've been to Paris now, I don't know, 10, 15 times presenting. So that opened the whole, and from there I was able to get uh, a job. You know, I was able to get to go to, um, that connected me with people to have conferences and be a speaker in Turkey. So I've been to Turkey seven or eight times now. So that's what I mean by that. So that in 2009, doing the free conference and things like that really did benefit me because I was able to go to other countries, do trainings. And for those, I was able to get some, you know, money and things like that. So I think that that's what really determines, is it in line with your goals? And also, is it going to be where you open a new niche that you're looking to, to do a new audience or target? And then that's important. Awesome. Awesome. You see how I do it, people? I have international players on the podcast. <laughs> that's how we do it. Now, earlier you mentioned that you've written books. Whew. I've had people come to me about that, and I'm like, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I sat down once thinking, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to do it. And then I, I opened up the Google Doc, and I was like, nothing. So, <laughs> so I know that's not for me. Um, and, and you're also you're, you're doing webinars, and, and, you're, and you're designing courses. How, when, when you are looking to write a book, well, first off, you, you've written for traditional publishers and you've self-published. What is the difference between the, the different, those two? And how do you take those books and leverage them for other projects? I think that's a really important question. So not everyone can write a book. I'm not the best at that. Um, actually, a lot of other people's books sell so much more than mine. People always think you don't make a lot of money from books unless you are someone who is going to be a speaker. So that's one of the important things. So if you're going to be, um, you know, your main focus is going to be like speaking or training, then a book is great. If you're going to write online courses like I do, so that I do a lot of that, um, and that's a lot of the contract work and, you know, things that I, uh, that make me my money is I'm an instructional designer. And so for me, that was important because a book adds, um, it adds, you know, just professionalism. It makes you an expertise in an area. And also, it's so much easier that when you have a course that you're in, I'm a professor too, and I want to be like, um, eventually that's what I want to, I'm not ever planning to retire, but that's one of my retirements is being a professor full time. And so I think with that in mind, you have to have books, that's just part of it. And so if you're going to do that, um, it's so much easier to have a course and be like, hey, read my book. <laughs> that's that's awesome. But if that's not going to be what you do, um, then, you know, and you, you, it, it took me writing a book. is not one of my, uh, great, uh, places I shine. It took me four years to write the first one. And that was, you know, the first education one, not the first book I ever did. And so one thing to note with that is it takes a lot of time. You're not going to get paid a lot of money, especially in the education realm. So if you publish something like fiction, which I've done, I, my first book was a Spanish-English poetry book um, with an artist. And so that one was so much different. Um, if you do that kind of a market, you get more of a percentage. But for education, you get 10%. And that's if you're really good. And that's if you didn't co-write it with somebody else. That 10% is divided. So even if you sell that book for 30 bucks, which is like about the going rate, you make it $3 for every book. I mean, that's not a lot. And so even if 
And then let's say that's not even the case because a lot of them, they get sold through Kindle. A lot of people read Kindle. Then that means your book was just bought for $20. That's two bucks. And then with taxes, because your taxes will take a lot of that once you start being an entrepreneur um, or an entrepreneur, you, you've got to hire a good accountant. So you don't make money from books. Books you make money from the speaking engagements, you know, if you're or if you're an instructional designer and you're writing an online course and you have a book that that really helps, you know, because especially with when you have a teaching, people still feel very comfortable having your books. It's like, especially if you're online and it's that kind of a training, then they feel like more like they're having a longer conversation with mm. you if they're reading your book, they want to buy your book because. They don't see you every day in person, so they really. I even have some of my college students in class that I teach, but I only teach them two days a week. That they're they want to buy my book, even though it's an education book, and I'm like, you don't have to do that, but they just feel like they want to know more from you. So I think that that's something people have to realize with books. Books aren't something that you do to make money. It is something in education where. If you're going to be a speaker, if you're a professor or someone that's writing online courses and, you know, that's what you want to make your book about is to be able to just share that knowledge. Um, and especially if something that you're really specialized in. So there's not a lot of people in my field who know how to write and, you know, develop an online course or how to teach, um, you know, especially in a really poor country like Venezuela or stuff. Not a lot of people have that knowledge. I do, so I can write books about that, you know, and there's not a lot of people who are going to fill that space. Um, there's not a lot of people out there who, you know, know that much about, um, you know, a lot of different areas, and, and I think that that's important. So if you think that you can feel that voice and you can provide that specialty uh, knowledge, then I think writing a book is good. I hear you. I just, whoo, I just sat down. I said, no, nah. I mean, the, 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 the most writing that I'm doing right now is for EdTech magazines and publications. Uh, so I'm definitely, you know, I'm writing about using social media, writing about going one-to-one, -one, going digital, blended learning, those type of things. So I'm making sure that I am trying to position myself as a thought leader, <laughs> and it, you know, but you know, it's a thousand words. Um, and even then, you know, when you sit down and you go, okay, uh, let me get these out. <laughs> and then you, you send it in and then their editor is like, okay, can I get some clarification here? Can you add something there? Or what about this? You know, like I'm still not done. So I still have to sort of go back and, and get it the way they want it to go before it goes out. Uh, well, so some definitely. people have ghost writers. <laughs> I don't, but... <laughs> Yeah, I want to do that. Eventually, I want to be able to hire someone that I can just talk to and they write all my great ideas down. That's probably my daughter when she gets older. <laughs> I'll make her type all of mama's uh, good ideas down. <laughs> wow. That would be nice. That, that would be nice. That would be nice. You know, we're designing our uh, first course that we'll be launching for teachers uh, hopefully next month. Uh, we have uh, been given approval from a local university where our courses will count as CEUs. Yes. Trying to make that money. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to provide value for teachers. I don't want people to think that I'm just in here for the money, but because, you know, again, I'm all about leveling up teachers, but what I've been able to do because with my podcast, I've been able to interview people like Dr. Katie Martin and Catlin Tucker and these people where we talk about blended learning guess where those interviews ended up going into my course. <laughs> uh, so I'm able to, you know, then take this content and put it there. So uh, that is been real dope, real gold uh, for me. So let's get into branding because a lot of teachers that I hear on, on Twitter, I'm not a brand. I'm an educator. Branding is for someone else. And I'm like, dude, you are a brand. Now, whether you realize it or not, embrace it or not, you are a brand. So what is the Shelly Sanchez Terrell brand? And when people say your name, what do you want them to think of? I 
so for me, I think that, well, first I want, I want to address that point you're talking about feeling comfortable and a lot, a lot of teachers don't feel comfortable. That was one thing. And I think that that's what kind of got me to this place of being an entrepreneur is because I started off in business. So for me, that was a given. I didn't have a problem. Um, you know, I, I didn't really dawn on me hey, you're an entrepreneur, you know, branding. It, that didn't, that's things that I learned when I was, you know, a freshman or something. Like, that was just part of my upbringing and development. But I do see where, like you, that experience of I'm not a brand. I'm actually running an online course that gets graduate credits and CEUs. It's a master's course. It just finished and it, it talked about that and all and that course is just um are just teachers getting into just connecting just being on as soon as you connect as an educator you're a connected educator you have a brand whether you get paid or not for that you have a brand because what the brand is and anyone even our students that's what's the important part to realize about that is our students they have a brand because they have an audience. And every time you have an audience, that means you have a brand. And it's what is that message you're projecting? And for me, I want that projection to be, you know, just being passionate enough to transform learning for our students. That's what I want teachers to think of with me. Um, and having that passion also, not only the passion to do that, but also um, to sustain our own passion. So for me, that's what it is. And it's a very focused passion. It's not just, um, and it's not about just uh, the true journey of that passion, especially as a, um, and I put that a lot. So my passion doesn't just deal with, oh, being a passionate educator, things like that. It has to deal also with the really hard road of, um, and I hate the word minority because a lot of places were majority, but I mean, just having diversity out there. Um, and I think that that's important nowadays because I don't think that there's enough. And so anyone who's watching or, or hears this, I want to really encourage them that, you know, to start getting comfortable with branding, especially if you represent someone of a diverse religion, culture, um, you know, gender. Now we talk about, I mean, just, being a different voice in space because we don't have enough of those. And I think that that's that having a passion and going through that journey for them, um, for kids that see um, that that's really important, that they need to start seeing a lot more diversity and who makes it, who's the leading voices, who are edupreneurs. And so that can be a very powerful statement. So I believe that for me, that makes a difference with me as a passionate educator because even since starting this in 2009, I still, even last year, go to conferences, and I'm the only person of color in the entire conference. Not even just the keynote, but in the entire conference sometimes. I've been to really small towns, and I'm the only person of color. Or I'm definitely in most, I still see, and I really try so hard to get a lot of females and, and men as well of diversity to get them out there and to be booked and things like that. But um, I still notice that I'm still one of the few, um, not only females, but definitely, I mean, there's, you can count in one hand or less the amount of edupreneurs that are Latina females out there that get booked at conferences and get to be read. I mean, it's just incredibly, and this is since 2009. So I think definitely if anyone uh, represents something, and I still, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know what anyone's, um, you know, ethics or beliefs or anything, but still I would feel really empowered to see, a transgender speaker that's an entrepreneur or, you know, because those voices aren't out there or someone that uh, more that represent, you know, LGBT or different religions. I mean, we still see a few out there that, you know, um, dress traditionally and things like that, but you still don't see a lot of different cultures and a lot of different religions. And I, I think that's really important to get more entrepreneurs so they need to be comfortable with that branding and branding means just what is your message to the world and I think when you think of it that way whenever somebody looks at and I look at it I tell the people that you know are in the course that as soon as someone that it's as simple as this with your branding when you join Twitter and you've set up your 
little tiny, less than 160, you know, character bio, you have your header, you have your avatar. When someone just looks at your file, clicks on it because you followed them, and they decide whether or not to follow you, what is that message you just portrayed in that two seconds that they decided that? And that's your brand. So hopefully it's consistent within, you know, you take that to Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook groups, wherever you connect with other teachers. And, you know, is that message consistent? Is that the message you want to be portraying? So that's the way I think of it. I think it's as simple as that. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was dope. That was, <laughs> that was a nice gem uh, you dropped right there. Um, that was succinct, nice. Woo! <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Tell you people, that's why I do this uh, around here. Uh, that wow, that was nice. Um, since you brought up Twitter, you are on. That's how we originally met. Uh, we've had we have met off uh, offline. Yes. <laughs> but on Twitter and other you know social media, you. You just you just you share your life, you know. You share pictures of your dog and your daughter at the conferences, and how do you decide? You know, because some people are very closed off, and it's like this is this. In fact, I even stopped following an educator quite honestly because we were we were chit chatting on Twitter. Everything was cool. I just sent her a tweet one day, and I said, "Oh, how was your day?" And she was like, "I don't answer personal questions." And I was like, I just asked you about your day. That's all I asked you. I didn't ask you about nothing else. I said, look, we done. <laughs> um, but you, you're open. Uh, how do you decide, I guess, how much of your life to share on online? And are you ever uh, sort of weary of what you put out there? I think that's an important question. Writing this graduate course about um, all of this has made me look back and really think, because I've put a lot of theory and studied a lot of, you know, really great minds on this topic. And what I've discovered is this, especially when it comes to footprints. First of all, not having a footprint, not having anything when somebody Googles you. Um, what that means is that you've just given the control of somebody else so that, that means even if I put nothing on social media, I don't have a Facebook or anything, and I still need people like that. And that's great. That's fine. I, you know, if I didn't have to be on Facebook, I would personally. But, you know, you get to a point where you just have these things as an entrepreneur. You know, you, you're connected on social media. But what I found is this, is that um, then whoever, and I noticed that going, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, I'd go to conferences, international, there's different cultural differences at an international conference for educators than there is for U.S. And let me tell you, it's, it's a blast. It's wonderful. I loved international conferences. You know, you, you drink wine for a while, you stay up all night, have these passionate conversations, you get together and you really just come up with ideas, a new conference. And it, it's sort of like being in I don't know, you have so much inspiration. It's like when you're in 20s and you're with this college group and you think you can change the world. And people in Europe, it, it, you know, when all these people get together at European conference, because it's so international, they can even be from South America and poor countries. You just get together and you believe you can transform the world. And you stay up all night sometimes. And I mean, it's just wonderful. And so, but then I start noticing pe my pictures would come up, me drinking wine uh, or something, and it would be out of context, you know? And, and I, so I actually made the decision that I was no longer going to be, um, you know, drinking really at conferences and things like that and some other, because then I realized whatever anyone tags me on, whatever, you know, they post, yeah, I can say, please take that off. But they don't have to. A lot of times they don't. And people tag you on all kinds of things. I get tagged on, you know, religious photos. I get tagged on um, photos selling someone else's book that I, you know, don't even know that person. 
And I've gone huffy and puffy and upset, but at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it in any social media. So that's even when I tell people, um, students or teachers in general, you've just given somebody else, and whenever they tag you, they're the first thing that's going to come out in Google about you. And so if you willingly decide early on, this is what I'm comfortable sharing. Um, and it's out there anyway. So if you're willing to... Um, you know, decide, then you control what people see. So now when people, you know, Google Shelly Sanchez Terrell or look on Facebook, Shelly Terrell, and I don't connect, um, my, I have a personal profile, I have a page for educators. And I tend, I, I used to have like 5,000 people on my personal. I shut it down, I took out a lot, I unfollowed, uh, unfriended, not because I didn't want to friend them, it's just that I wanted the personal got it down to 400, I think, or five. And, um, but even still now, people can tag me. Um, and then, you know, that's what shows up on Facebook. So keeping that in mind, I decide, you know, in this same thing about my daughter, I mean, being at some point, you got to realize when you're an entrepreneur, then your life, um, you've already decided to share your voice. When you share your voice, that opens people to your life. And mm. yes, you can get upset about it in any way or form, but you know, you're really blessed to be able to share that voice. And that's just part of it. It's like a rock star who we see complains and cries and, you know, we get upset because we're like, you're making millions of dollars. And <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the path you chose. This is, you know, part of that path. So I think for me, you know, if people get to Google and they see a bunch of pictures of my pug and even my daughter, Hey, then that's, um, and, and the other part of, I try not to necessarily put the location all the time. So one of the things that I realized quite quickly was like with four star that used to, I mean, uh, I don't remember even the, what, what it used to be for that real popular, um, yeah, social I, network. I can't think of it right now, but I don't know what you're talking about. And you, you see, you used to see teachers all the time. I'm at this location and every five seconds it gave a location and things like that. I decided I'm not, you know, so I decided to get myself off of that when I first joined and I thought, no, I'm not comfortable with this location thing. Sometimes I will put my location. If you see that I'm at a conference and that's because I want other people to know where I'm at so they can hang out with me and, and I've had stalkers. I've had very scary stalkers that I've had to get um, orders against. And, you know, the thing is that anyone can find you anywhere. I, um, you know, last year I was, um, had a friend contact me and I looked up, you know, them on Google and saw their current address, their current, like, you know, all the people. And that just came out in Google first thing. And that person wasn't even on social media. It said, you know, um, their death certificates that, or people around them, their families, their current location addresses, said it since they were in, like, middle school. And, you know, their, their, their relationship status and all of that. All of that was public online. And that was the first thing that popped up because this person didn't have a present. So I think that what we need to know now, and I think a lot of people are understanding that with this Facebook and the data breaches, that you don't really have that much of a control, but you have more of a control if you decide what's going to be out there. And if you share things, because if people are seeing that and tweets come up first, it doesn't matter the SEO and all of these things uh, marketers try to tell you. Tweets show up first and Facebook. Facebook is so important because whatever people search for on Facebook. So it might not show up on Google. The people do searches on Facebook, whatever shows up there, then that's what comes up. So I would, I would tell people, you know, um, to really look at that as well. Wow. All right. Again, thank you for dropping. <laughs> uh, wow. This has been awesome. This has been such an <laughs> awesome conversation. Um, before we go, what are your thoughts on the rise of the entrepreneur? Because, you know, so many people, educators are out, are out there getting it. And I'm telling teachers to go out there and get it. Uh, <laughs> because as we're seeing teachers in Oklahoma and Wisconsin and Kentucky just say, I'm done, man. Busting my hump, man. And I got these kids and the principals and the parents and you trying to pay me nothing. Uh, I'm telling educators, 
don't necessarily look. I'm not out here saying go 100% full time <laughs> entrepreneur because that that takes a different type of person, a different type of mindset to do that. But a side hustle where <laughs> you know what I'm saying where you and teachers pay teachers or you're writing articles or you're doing some presentations or you go into a conference or two, you know, making you a quick thousand dollars or what have you, you know, really just don't get your stuff out there for free. Cause you know, don't, you know how it is. So many of us, you know, they write and all this stuff and you get a badge and a t-shirt and you feel good, but that company, the one that's going to use your name, your picture, your, blog post your endorsement of their product they're going to just turn around and use that to sell more licenses uh so what is your thoughts on those educators who are now thinking it's time for me to get in this game i think that if you are thinking that first um that it's important that you realize especially if you end up being someone like i said that represents um a voice that isn't usually shared out there and whether you know and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know related to ethnicity or culture like i said it could be religion it could be age i know a lot of uh different inspiring people that now i've you know ageism is definitely something that's out there as well so i think what's really important uh about that is if you can lend your voice to that, we need more strong voices like that, more diversity, because they've even shown research nowadays. And back when I started, you know, getting into the field of education, the big research was always that if other um, minority kids or low-income kids see a teacher or a leader that resembles where they came from, they're going to do so much better. The chances of success are huge of getting them out of poverty and stuff versus not seeing that and now what they say is the research has shown that everyone benefits from diversity in even the kids that you know um are used to seeing people that represent them really make it that even for them it ends up being because it gives them new perspectives and things like that so i think that that's important and then to take risks i think it's important to take risks to value yourself and then to decide, you know, there are some opportunities and it's not necessarily that, okay, maybe you're going to get, you know, there was times, especially starting out, um, that I didn't have a lot of guidance back then. So it's good to have someone that knows, ask them. And if they're not willing to help you and let you know what you should be paid, which is reasonable. And I know people um, have asked me and I send them even my contracts because I think one thing is in the field of education there is room for a lot of people we keep still hiring sometimes i see the same presenters at the same conference for the last 10 years we have a lot of room for open voices you know and so i think that's really important um to ask somebody else see if they're willing to share if they're not you know like I said, you'll find someone. I know uh, Valerie Lewis, I would recommend following her because her boxer group, Teacherpreneur Chat, everyone shares, everyone tells you. When you go to a conference, if, someone, if you wanna ask someone, you know, they're, they're offering me at this conference $100, but they're paying my speaking, they're paying my airfare, you know, and then somebody else will say, oh, well, this is what I got paid there. So, I mean, it helps. It helps you so much in this industry, having people out there knowing, you know, sharing this information. The second part is also that when you struggle, when you have questions about something like, for example, the book. So it's not that everybody's published a book. You might, you know, if you just listen to this and you, I know when I first started writing my first book, somebody was going to do the book with me. And when they heard the 10%, they said, oh, that's not. And then, you know, but I knew because I had other authors and stuff and I had asked them and they had told me, hey, that's good. We got paid 7%. I knew that that was an industry standard. So that's the other part is just being able to ask somebody else. You'll be able to make better decisions and choices with your time. And so that's so important. And when you do do the stuff that is, you should always get something out of it. So maybe you're not getting paid, but definitely you should not have to pay out of your own pocket for it. and see. If the long term, in the long term, are they going to be using that again and again and again and profiting off of you? And in the long term, 10 years from now, whatever, five, are you still going to be profiting from that? 
Mm. And so I think that that's important is you look at the duration. So if you are willing to do something for a lesser price or something, because maybe you've never given a keynote. And so having the valuable experience of being a keynote, that's going to open you up. That's going to make you see if you decide. So if you decide to do that and they're paying everything else and then, you know, and, but you know, definitely the second time you have that knowledge, you don't want to do that again. So it's, you know, you have to kind of weigh things out that way. And that's what I would say is um, decide where to, sh and don't think, and I, I think that that's one of the most important, important um, key things to all this secrets. And I think you know that and I know that. Just because you're just starting out and you believe that there's so many great people, I'm not going to be able to be the next, you know, some edupreneur rock star. Uh, first of all, that's a mistake. Don't think that way. Don't think that you don't have anything valuable to share. Um, because if you have passion, then you have something to share. But also, um, don't think that your opportunities mm. are that one opportunity, that one magazine, or that one, you know, uh, company that's going to, they tell you you're going to get a certification and then you get to be an ambassador. You know, just don't think that, you know, that's what you're limited to. You have mm -hmm. to say yes to all these free, because like you and I know, because we've been in for years. Yeah. You took those risks and said no, because you felt you didn't have, you weren't going to be that value. Um, and you didn't feel right about it. And then look, we're, you know, seven years, eight years, whatever down the road. In fact, my Twitterversary, my nine-year Twitterversary was two days ago, by the way. <laughs> and uh, here we are, you know, our decisions, even those risks we took, even those times that we thought, oh, well, if I don't get to be a keynote at this thing and they're not paying me, then you know, I'm just gonna, no, you know, saying no still made it to where we got more opportunities. So I think that that's what's important is also to realize that you're going to have plenty of opportunities because there's, you know, a million education startups, there's a million conferences, ed camps, whatever, all over the country. So you have those opportunities for your voice to be heard. So that's the advice that I would leave anyone with. Awesome. Awesome. People, you don't understand. This was so good. I should be charging y'all $1.99 and listen to this one. This one even shouldn't be free, but it is. Um, uh, because, you know, I've just, you know, when I decided, because I'm be honest with you, I, I, the air tech is real cool. I, I enjoyed, I enjoy writing about it. And this is my nine to five, but I do a lot of podcast shows. I mean, I shoot, three podcast shows a week on average. Wow. And I got tired of just talking. Like, how many times can I ask you about blended learning? <laughs> um, you know, I just got tired of it. And then I said, I looked at a lot of other educator podcasts. And I said, huh, okay. In this category, you got Jennifer Gonzalez. Oh, she got that on lock, okay. You got this right here. Hmm. <laughs> okay, you got this. I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is not compete with that. Where could I be my absolute best? And when I noticed, wow, this whole entrepreneurship innovation type thing in terms of professional development and leveling up, becoming your best self, you know, because I do shows on insurance and investing and how do you keep your money right? Uh, I said, you know what? There's no other educator that I know of who has a podcast like this. Even Faith. I saw your last one was on Faith as well. So. <laughs> yeah. I see her. Oh, she dropped this so nice. I was like, yes. And so I said, okay, I can kill it here. And it has paid off. Uh, I have had twice as many plays and downloads in the past since December than I had all last year. So people have been responding to this new direction. Well, I think you have a great um, voice out there with this as well, because you get to tap into the uh, hearts of people that are really passionate. And I think a lot with your, that I've seen of your speakers is that none of them have easy journeys. I mean, all of them have had to take risks. They've had to go through a, an incredible amount of um, 
you know, adversity and things like that to be able to get to. I mean, they have such inspiring stories. So, of course, people want to listen to that because hearing, you know, having a, you know, listening to someone who it was just made easy for them, like, or that says too many times, especially in uh, not edupreneurs, but just in marketing and all these other types of leadership, you just, you know, it went, as soon as you hear, oh, yeah, my parents paid for me to go to Harvard or something, then, you know, you kind of like, oh, well, that's why you made it. But with your show, these people worked hard. They loved what they did. They kept persisting. They met all these obstacles. And like many teachers around, they represent their story, you know, how they got their voice out there with this, you know, path, even with all of this. And I think that that makes your your show so powerful. So I appreciate listening to it too. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for being a fan. I appreciate it. Uh, people, wow. I should be saving this podcast, but it might be coming out early, people. Uh, <laughs> so you know how I do this. The video cast will be going up on YouTube. I need you to subscribe, leave your comments. The podcast is going up on iTunes and SoundCloud. Again, I need you to subscribe, follow, leave your comments, because your boy trying to get Oprah on the show, and I need her to know this is how I do it. As always, people, I want to thank you, Shelly, for coming on the show. And thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much. People, as always, invest in you, EDU, peace. <laughs>